Remember, kid, there's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. Please tell me that you have seen the great all-time classic, The Sandlot. If not, you're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me. This morning, as Pastor Tim said, we're talking about legacy. Think about the people who you consider legends. Who are they? What makes them legend, excuse me, legendary? And over the past few weeks, we've been talking about leaving a spiritual legacy. What does that look like for us? How are we leaving our mark for the gospel and God's kingdom? And so we've been asking four questions about how to leave your spiritual legacy, your spiritual mark, right? Who, what, where, and this morning, the how question. How am I uniquely gifted for servant leadership? And so as we go through our passage this morning and we're talking about spiritual leadership, be mulling over the question in your mind, how has God uniquely gifted me for spiritual leadership, for servant leadership? From 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you've got your Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If not, we'll have the words up here on the screen. We're going to be looking at verses 4 through 11 and then skipping down to verses 27 through 31, but hear God's word this morning. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all to everyone. Let me pause right there. Did you catch that? Spirit, Lord, Jesus, and God, the Father, now, it's not about the Trinity, but that one's free just for you this morning. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And if you skip down to verse 27, Paul continues and he says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles and second prophets Third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts? And I will show you still a more excellent way. Would you pray with me this morning? Our Father and our King, we pray that you would, over the next few moments, open our hearts and our eyes, that you would give, give legs to your word, that you would help us this morning to know 
how you have uniquely gifted us and how we can be a part of advancing the kingdom of God. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so in our passage this morning, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And he's responding to some of the issues that they've been having in their church. And if you look at the, the, the book of 1 Corinthians as a whole, it's pretty abrasive overall. Paul really drops the hammer on the Corinthians. I love the fact that later on in verse uh, 1 Corinthians 13, right? You've probably all heard that passage. And when do you hear 1 Corinthians 13? At a wedding, right? What's interesting is that he's rebuking them when he uses that, but we somehow like to use it in a wedding, and, and, and understandably so. But uh, Paul is dealing with some issues that the church in Corinth is having. And one of those issues is they're struggling with, this, with disunity. Now imagine that. A church struggling with unity. There is nothing new under the sun, is there? But he's specifically addressing the idea of corporate worship, and and which is their you know our Sunday morning service and how they should use their spiritual gifts that God has given them, not for personal display, but for building up the church. And so this morning, that kind of gives you an idea of what Paul is talking about when he's dealing specifically with the church in Corinth here. But this morning, what we want to do is kind of do a general idea and overview of what are spiritual gifts. What do they mean for my life? How, how does I really connect with them? And, and what we're going to see is that not only, yes, we have them, but then begin to look at how we can actually start using them for the glory of God and the building up of God's kingdom. And so you first thing you see right off the bat, we're going to dive in. In verse 7, what does it say? It says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So Scripture is clear about this, especially in the New Testament. If you are a follower of Christ, you have been given a gift. Every one of my gifts that I give is wrapped in the newspaper. If you're a recycling fan, you will appreciate that. Um, If not, it's just something I do. I don't have the spiritual gift of wrapping, and so that's what I end up with. But everybody has one. Every single follower of Christ has a gift. You have been given. Now you may say, wait, you're telling me I have a gift. But what's inside it? I don't know what that means. What what, what is a spiritual gift? What does that mean for my life? Well, a spiritual gift, you know, Wayne Grudem, a scholar, he says that it's simply... A gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in the ministry of the church. Any ability empowered by the Holy Spirit. So it's an ability that God gives us as a believer to carry out the mission of the church. Right? To, a gift that we use to help each other love God. Right? To love each other. Right? The gift to make disciples, all giving glory to God. And so that's essentially what a spiritual gift is, in generally speaking. But then you go, well, then why do we have them? What's the purpose behind them? And Paul tells us specifically here in chapter 7, to each is, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Why? For the common good. And as we said earlier, right, the church in Corinth 
is apparently misusing their spiritual gifts. Right? Kind of like if you had a superhero power. Right? You're, you're boasting about the fact that, well, I can fly. Well, I can light people on fire. Well, I can jump buildings. Well, I can make buildings disappear. Well, I can walk through buildings. They're building each other up. They're, they're using their gifts, and they're saying, hey, my, mine is the best. Mine is awesome. Mine is great. Yours, not so much. And so they're boasting about it, and they're actually using something that God has given them for the benefit and glory of the church, and it's created hostility, and it's created disunity, and it's created a, host- a, a bad environment of worship. And Paul's telling them, no, 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 no. You have missed it. You're, you're using these gifts as a tool for arrogance and building yourself up, and that's a real problem. Because Paul is saying that I didn't give you that gift for you. I gave you that gift to give it away. So we have been given gifts to give away. They're not just for us to hoard and keep. They're for us to use for the benefit of others. First Peter says, each has received a gift. Use it how to serve one another. He gives us gifts for the work of the ministry in the church to give him glory and to build up the body of Christ. And so you've heard the phrase, we're blessed to be a blessing, right? You've probably heard that. It's a great Christianese term that we like to use, blessed to be a blessing. Well, it's true. We're uniquely gifted for servant leadership. And we're each given that gift, but to give it away and to use it for the benefit of others. And we're not just talking about, as Pastor Tim read earlier in Ephesians 4, the church staff. We're real quick, just debunk that myth. There's a myth, and I admit believing it growing up, that, you know, gifts in the church and church uh, spiritual gifts were only for the special forces Christians. You know what I'm talking about, right? Navy, you know, these are missionaries. Like, if you're a missionary, you are like the Navy SEAL of the Christian world because you've got to be the most godly and the most spiritual, and, and clearly you have the most gifts, right? Well, The gifts in the church aren't just for the pastoral staff and the church staff. Nothing could be further from the truth. As Pastor Tim read earlier in Ephesians 4, he gave us apostles and prophets, the evangelists and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Think about that for a second. What does that mean? To equip the saints. It means our role as, as, as the staff, church staff and pastoral staff is not to necessarily and primarily do ministry, but it's to equip you, God's people, for the work of ministry. We all have a gift. It's not just for reserved for special forces Christians, but every follower of Jesus Christ, uniquely gifted uniquely gifted. But we see that not only is everyone uniquely gifted and that every believer has a gift, but we also see that not every believer has the same gift. And if you look at this passage, what does Paul say? He says, For to one is given the spirit of utterance of wisdom, to another knowledge, to another faith, another the gift of healing, another working miracles, another prophecy, another the ability to distinguish gifts. All throughout the New Testament, there's six different places in the New Testament where Paul talks about gifts. And none of those lists are exhaustive as a whole. Quite people kind of 
commentators and scholars think that when Paul starts listing them off, they're like, he's just kind of random with them. He just fires off all these different things, and there's like 22 of them total, but they're not completely exhaustive. But there's all kinds of different gifts, right? Apostle, prophet, teacher, miracles, healings, administration, tongues, faith, wisdom, knowledge, encouraging, leadership, mercy, marriage, celibacy. That's a tough one, Uh, right? But there are all these gifts that God has given the church. And they're given, we all have different ones. And that's phenomenal because our diversity gives us unity. And that's what Paul's pointing to, right? You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And so what we see is that Paul is showing us He's saying, look, we've got this massive amount of gifts. We've got all these different people, all uniquely gifted, every single one of you. And the difference is what makes it so beautiful. And the difference is what makes it so good. Because if you go a few verses, the, the, the passages that we're looking at this morning is sandwiched in these verses in 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul talks about the body of Christ. And it's a beautiful section from 1 Corinthians 12, where he says, just as the body is one, we're not going to read the whole thing, but just listen to what he says, just as the body is one and has many members, and all members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. So the body doesn't consist of just one member. And then he goes on and he describes it and he says, if the foot says to the hand, well, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it less of a part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not make it less of a part. If the whole body were an eye, where would we hear? And if everybody was an ear, then how would you smell? And so he breaks it down. And he says that God has arranged the members so that each one of them as he has chosen Because not everybody can be a thumb, and not everybody can be an ear, and not everybody can be an elbow, and not everybody is a knee. And so he's uniquely designed the church so that we need one another. Right? The Christian life is not meant to be lived alone. The Christian life is not meant to be lived in isolation. And so there's this idea that people have from time to time. I've heard people say, well, it's just Jesus and me. My religion is kind of private, and I keep it to myself. And yes, I'm a Christian, but, but I prefer just me and Jesus. The church is not a big good thing. The church has burned me, yada, yada. And you hear people talking about the church from time to time. And the problem is that it doesn't work that way. Because the Christian life is by design meant to be lived in community. Because you're not sufficient in and of yourself. If all you've got is just you, you may be a great ear, but you won't be able to see, and you won't be able to smell, and you won't be able to touch. The body of Christ, the Christian life, is designed to need one another. To need one another. Paul is showing us here that we are needy people. And if you think about it, when you come to faith in Jesus, what is it that you have finally come to understand? 
When you first come to faith in Christ, what is it that you really begins to click for you? Is it not that I'm needy? That I can't do it? That I'm not sufficient enough in and of myself? That I can't be good enough? That I can't do enough? Right? And so when we finally come to that place where we realize, I, I don't have what it takes to do this alone. And we cry out to God. We cry out to Jesus who was enough then we realize, we've come to that point of realizing what? That we are spiritually bankrupt. And so we cry out to Jesus who, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And so we come to faith realizing our need, our need for a Savior. And we sustain our faith. By realizing our need. Our need for Jesus and our need for each other. You need the body and the body needs you. When you aren't using your gifts, when you aren't using your gifts, you're missing out. You're missing out on how God has designed you as a follower of Jesus. You're missing out on fulfilling the spiritual life and and the Christian life that he has designed you to be in relationship with him and the people around you. You're missing out. Likewise, so are we. When you're not using your gifts, we're missing out. I'm better with you. My children are better with you. They're better off having you in their life. We are better off having each other in each other's lives. And does it get messy? Yes. And is it always easy? No. No, it's not easy, but it's by design. And it's how God works out our salvation is together. We're in this together. You know, the foot experiences life because of the brain. The ear experiences life because of the thumb. Every part is important. Right? Nobody is the gallbladder of the, of the body. And I say gallbladder because I know it has a purpose, but it seems like the one thing, man, you can take it out and it doesn't have any effect on anybody. I'm sure there's somebody can tell me afterwards that, you know, I know something about food and why it does something, don't eat bad, or you have to take your gallbladder out. But it seems like the first thing to go. Everybody I know, ah, just take your gallbladder out. Nobody's the gallbladder. Everybody is important. Everybody's vital to the body. And so that also means that you never retire from the body. Now, please hear me. You don't graduate out of the body of Christ. Now, certainly there are seasons of life where you're able to give more than others. But I'm going to step on some toes here. Some of you have checked out because you did your time. And my encouragement to you would be, no, you can't check out. You can't, you can't retire from the body. You don't graduate from the body. You go into different seasons and maybe you take on different roles, but you don't graduate it and you don't leave it because we are better with you and you are better with us. We need you. I need you. My children, as I said, need you. If you've ever seen the movie Top Gun, maybe that's you, and you've said, you know, I've done my time, I've done my part. 
If you've ever seen the movie Top Gun, Maverick gets in a, in a, in a fight at the beginning of that movie or at the end of the movie, and he's, he's bugging out, and his buddies are in trouble. And all of a sudden, he said, they keep going, re-engage, Maverick, re-engage, Maverick, re-engage. And finally, she comes back in, and he re-engages. If that's you this morning, re-engage, Mav. Get back in the game. We need you. The body needs you. And as I said, it looks different for different people, and you go through seasons. But you don't graduate out, and you don't retire from it. Because there's lots of places for you to plug in. And there's lots of places for you to have a place. And so you ask the question, how do you determine your gift? And we're not going to go through this long spiritual gift test right now, but I think there are three questions that will help you in determining how exactly DTM I gifted. And the first is, what are you passionate about? You know, Pastor Tim has talked at length over the last few weeks about what drives you, what fires you up. What do you get really motivated? What are you passionate about? And how do you align that passion? How has God taken your passion? How can he use that passion for his glory to build up the body and to advance his kingdom? What are you passionate about? The second question is, what are you good at? What is your skill set? Maybe you're good with your hands. Maybe you're good at administration. Maybe you're good at teaching. Maybe you're good at hospitality. Maybe you're good at sewing, or knitting, or loving on people. There's all kinds of gift sets that everybody we have. And you say sewing or knitting, you say, why in the world did you put that in there? You know, when my child, our third child was born here in Thomasville, we have a blanket that has his name on it. And there's a lady in our church who made that blanket for him. And there's no doubt in my mind that as she made that blanket for my son, that she prayed over him, and she loved him, And she loved my family as a result. And I'm going, there's a place for everybody. Everybody. What are you good at? And let me just just a note. Just because you're not good at something does not mean that God won't use you for that very thing. Because he loves doing that to show his glory. Earlier in 1 Corinthians, Paul actually tells the church, he said, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And he chose what is weak to shame the strong. He chose the low and despise. And so basically saying to, to, to bring glory to myself. And so it's not always about your ability. Brian and I were talking about this this week. It's not always about your ability, but it's your availability. And just because you're not naturally good at something does not mean God won't call you to do it just to show how powerful that Jesus is. You know, each week, Uh, We have small groups that meet in Thomasville with our students, and we've got like 16 leaders that meet with our students and love on them and tell them about Jesus. But there's an army of people behind that that make that happen, that have the gift of hospitality and bring meals and get things set up to cultivate environments where the gospel can flourish and where the gospel can grow. What are you good at? What are you good at? And the third thing is this. What do other people tell you you're good at? You know, if you are like, man, I have a passion to sing. I have the gift of singing. And your spouse doesn't like to hear you sing. (laughs) Probably not your gift. Don't join the choir. Like, the whole beauty of being in community is that God affirms our gifts with one another. And he uses the body to say, yes, 
This is really good. I was talking to a leader last week who's leading a, a Sunday school class of some great, 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 very active fifth and sixth graders. And you're the, you know, where most of you might not be your thing, you understand what I'm saying? They love it. They go, I, I love them. And they don't make me angry and they don't drive me crazy. They love it. And I said, that's because God, you're in the right place. God has got you in there for a reason. And they were like, man, I appreciate you saying that. And it's just, it's not because I'm great. I was saying that. I just noticed that, recognize it. We all love to be affirmed and see that. What do people say you're good at? And if somebody comes to you and says, hey, I think you might be good with this, give it a shot. What have you got to lose? We're in this together and we need each other. We're better with you and you're better with us.